Welcome to Healthy Focus with Dr. Rhonda Herbert. The information presented is for educational use only and not intended to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please visit your healthcare provider. This podcast is sponsored by Health Dove Inc. Please visit our website, healthdove.com, for a free health evaluation. That's healthdove.com for a free health evaluation. Welcome to Healthy Focus. I am your host, Dr. Rhonda Herbert. Today's topic is elevated cholesterol. Cholesterol is a fatty substance in the body that serves several vital roles. It is a building block for various hormones and bile acid, and it plays a major role in stabilizing cell membranes. While proper cholesterol levels are important to good health, the evidence overwhelmingly demonstrates that elevated cholesterol levels greatly increase the risk of death due to heart disease. Cholesterol is transported in the blood by lipoproteins. The major categories of lipoproteins are very low-density lipoproteins, which are called VLDL, low-density lipoproteins, LDL, and high-density lipoproteins, HDL. VLDL and LDLs are responsible for transporting fats, primarily triglycerides and cholesterol from the liver to the body cells and elevation of either the LDL or the the VLDL or the LDL is associated with increased risk of developing atherosclerosis, the primary cause of heart attack and stroke. In contrast, HDL is responsible for returning fats to the liver and elevations of HDL are associated with low risk of heart attacks. Currently, experts recommend that your total blood cholesterol level should be less than 200 mg per deciliter from a fasting blood sample. The HDL level should be greater than 40 mg per deciliter. The LDL level limit is based on your current health history and risk factors. Less than 100 mg per deciliter for people who have coronary heart disease. These people have had myocardial infraction, angina, or revascularization procedure such as a coronary bypass surgery. The same limit applies to people who have not had one of these cardiac events but have atherosclerosis outside of the heart such as carotid artery or other peripheral arterial disease, diabetes, or an elevated 10-year risk estimate as determined by your physician. Less than 100 30 milligrams per deciliter for people who do not have coronary heart disease or equivalent risk for it but have two or more risk factors. Risk factors include age, lack of physical activity, smoking, and being overweight. Less than 160 milligrams per deciliter for people who have no or one risk factor for coronary heart disease. For every 1% drop in LDL levels, there's a 2% drop in the risk of heart disease. 
And by the same token, for every 1% increase in HDL, the risk of heart attack drops by 3 to 4%. The ratio of your total cholesterol to HDL and the ratio of your LDL to HDL are clues that indicate whether cholesterol is being deposited into your tissues or is being broken down and excreted. The ratio of total cholesterol to HDL should be no higher than 4 to 2 to 1 and LDL to HDL ratio should be no higher than 2.5 to 1. So the ratio of the total cholesterol to HDL should be no higher than 4.2 to 1 and the LDL to HDL ratio should be no higher than 2.5 to 1. Another important lipoprotein to be aware of is the form of LDL called leproprotein or LP. This form of LDL has an additional molecule of an adhesive protein called apoloprotein. That protein makes the molecule much more likely to stick to the artery wall and cause damage. New research suggests that high LP levels constitute a separate risk factor for heart attack. For example, it appears that high LP levels are 10 times as likely to cause heart disease as high LDL levels. LP levels lower than 20 mg per deciliter are associated with low risk of heart disease. Levels from 20 to 40 mg per deciliter pose a moderate, moderate risk and levels higher than 40 mg per deciliter are considered extremely risky. Signs and symptoms. Elevated blood cholesterol is usually without symptoms. However, elevated cholesterol lead to atherosclerosis in the arteries of the heart called coronary heart disease and elsewhere called peripheral vascular disease. Development of atherosclerosis is associated with angina, diabetes, high blood pressure, and myocardial infarction. Causes elevated cholesterol levels are usually due to an increased manufacture of cholesterol within the liver rather than an increased dietary intake of cholesterol. However, elevated cholesterol levels are also reflective of dietary and lifestyle factors such as high saturated fat intake and lack of physical activity. Elevated cholesterol can also be due to genetic factors. There are many ways to approach lowering cholesterol including decreasing absorption, increasing excretion, and decreasing production. Preventing oxidation of cholesterol also reduces propensity for the cholesterol to contribute to atherosclerosis. Many of the foods, is, um, many of the foods perform one or more of these actions. Also, many foods have shown a cholesterol-lowering effect, but the mechanism of how this occurs has to be understood. For example, for people with normal cholesterol levels, many of these foods do not affect their cholesterol levels. Fiber generally helps to lower cholesterol by binding to the bile acids and removing them from the body via feces. Fiber comes primarily from whole grains, fruits, vegetables, and legumes. For a variety of whole grains, particularly oats and barley, which are rich in special cholesterol low insoluble fiber beta glucan. Brands from whole grains such as barley, 
oats, rice, and wheat bran can also be eaten. Although oatmeal's fiber content, 7%, is less than that of oat bran, which is 15 to 26%, it has been determined that the polyunsaturated fatty acids contribute as much to the cholesterol-low effects of oats as a fiber content, and this makes oat bran and oatmeal quite similar in effectiveness. In addition to fiber components, other grain components help to lower cholesterol. Rice bran contains gamma organazole, a compound that only lowers cholesterol. Amaranth contain tocotrinols, which is vitamin E fraction, and sequel, which is a fatty acid, both of which are known to reduce cholesterol synthesis. Also, diets rich in buckwheat have been linked to lower the risk of developing high cholesterol due to buckwheat's content of hesperidin, a beneficial flavonoid. Anthocyanin flavonoids are found in sorghum but not in other grains and are powerful antioxidants to re- that research shows exhibit potent free radical scavenging activity. So eat a variety of fruits that for their antioxidant effects and soluble fiber. Pectin is a soluble fiber that can help lower cholesterol levels through decreasing both absorption and synthesis of cholesterol and is found in apples, banana, grapefruit, oranges, and pears. Whole fruit contain more pectin than fruit juice. Two pieces of fruit per day contain enough pectin to reduce the risk of heart disease by 20%. And dates also contain the soluble fiber beta-D-glucan. But if you are taking a prescription medication for lowering cholesterol, ask your doctor if you should avoid eating grapefruit or drinking grapefruit juice. Grapefruit reduces the activity enzyme in the liver that your body uses to break down cholesterol-lowering statin drugs. So if the drugs are not metabolized, they remain in the body in higher concentrations. And this increases the risk of unwanted toxic effects such as liver or muscle damage. Prunes contain large amounts of felony compounds which inhibit free radical damage to the LDL cholesterol. Olives and olive oil also contain antioxidants including oleoprotein and flavonoids that act to protect against damage to the LDL cholesterol. In contrast, deep-fried foods have been linked to high levels of damaged LDL and to the thickening of the larger artery walls. While attempting to lower cholesterol through diet, it is also important to eat a variety of cholesterol-lowering vegetables, including celery, beets, eggplant, garlic, and onion, peppers, and root vegetables. In addition, dandelion root and Jerusalem artichoke contain the fiber insulin which improves production of the antioxidant enzyme while decreasing total cholesterol and triglyceride levels and raising the concentration of beneficial HDL cholesterol. Peppers, especially chilies, contain substances that have been shown to prevent clot formation and reduce the risk of heart attacks and strokes 
by reducing low blood cholesterol and triglyceride levels and platelet aggregation and increasing fibrolinic activity. Although bell peppers are not as rich in these compounds as chili peppers, they are still important in the diet of individuals with elevated cholesterol levels. Diet rich in legumes, including peanuts, are being used to lower cholesterol levels, and soy protein has been shown in some studies to be able to lower total cholesterol level by 30% and lower LDL or bad cholesterol levels by as much as 35 to 40%. Nuts and seeds, particularly almonds and walnuts, are also quite useful in fighting against heart disease by lowering cholesterol through their fiber, monounsaturated oil, and essential fatty acid content. Hazelnuts have been exceptional concentration of a copper, a key component in the intracellular form of the important antioxidant enzyme called superoxide dismutase which disarm free radicals that would otherwise damage cholesterol and other lipids. Ground flaxseed lower two cholesterol-carrying molecules, apolipoprotein A1 and alipoprotein B. Other foods that have been shown beneficial effects on lowering cholesterol include avocados, cocoa butter, brewer's yeast, royal jelly, shiitake mushrooms, saffron, turmeric, honey, shellfish, and alfalfa sprouts. Milk and cheese are often loaded with fat and cholesterol. However, milk fat also contains a number of bioactive components, including conjugated linoic acid. Conjugated linoic acid have been shown to possess activities that prevent cancer and the formation of cholesterol-containing plaques that contribute to heart disease. Cheese provide many of the same nutritional benefits and health benefits attributed to milk and is usually contain beneficial bacteria that produce propionic acid, which nourishes the cells of the colon and lower blood cholesterol levels. It's important to point out that while eggs are high in cholesterol, 230 milligrams per egg, and many public health advocates have long recommended that individuals with high cholesterol levels avoid egg. Several recent studies have indicated that moderate egg consumption have little effect on cholesterol levels. There, there are a number of specific natural medications that effectively lower cholesterol levels. Since new ones come along all the time, it's easy to forget just how impressive the results with niacin, which is um, vitamin B3, have had. The, low, the cholesterol-lowering activity of niacin was first described in the 1950s. It's now known that niacin does much more than lower total cholesterol. Specifically, niacin has been shown to lower LDL cholesterol LP, lipoprotein, triglyceride, and fibrinogen levels while simultaneously raising HDL cholesterol levels. Despite the fact that niacin has demonstrated better overall results in reducing risk factors for coronary heart disease than other cholesterol-lower agents, physicians are often reluctant to prescribe niacin. The reason is a widespread perception that niacin is a difficult to work with 
because of the bothersome side effects of flushing of the skin. In addition, since niacin is a widely available generic agent, no pharmaceutical company stands to earn the huge profits that the other lipid-lowering agents have generated. As a result, niacin does not benefit from intensive advertising that focusing upon the statin drugs. Despite the advantages of niacin over other lipid-lowering drugs, it accounts for less than 10% of all cholesterol-lowering prescriptions. Several studies have compared niacin to standard lipid-lowering drugs, including the statin drugs. These studies have shown significant advantages for niacin. For example, in one 26-week study, patients were randomly assigned to receive treatment with either lovastatin or niacin. The results indicated that while lovastatin produced a greater LDL cholesterol reduction, niacin provided better overall results despite the fact that fewer patients were able to tolerate a full dose of niacin because of skin flushing. The percentage increase in the HDL cholesterol, a more significant indicator for coronary heart disease, was dramatically in favor of the niacin. 33% versus the 7%. Equally as impressive was the percentage decrease in LP for niacin. While, while the niacin produced a 35% reduction in LP, lipoprotein levels, lovastatin did not produce any effect. Other studies have shown that niacin can lower levels by the average of 30%. The most recent comparative study involved in niacin versus astovastantin Lipitor. The average dose was 3,000 milligrams of niacin and astovastantin was used at 80 milligrams per day. The, the patients selected had abnormal LDL particle size in that the molecules were small and dense. These LDL molecules were considerably more arthrogenic than larger, less dense LDL. The patients selected also had low levels, less than 40% of a specific fraction of the HDL associated with a greater protective effect than the HDL alone. Although the astrovastantin reduced total LDL cholesterol levels substantially more than the niacin, niacin was more effective in increasing the LDL particle size and raising the HDL than the, the astrovastantin was. Because taking niacin at higher dosages, 3,000 milligrams or more, can impair glucose tolerance, many physicians have avoided niacin therapy for diabetics, but newer studies with slightly lower dosages, 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams of niacin, have not been shown to adversely affect blood sugar regulation. For example, during a 16-week blood-blind placebo control trial, 148 type 2 diabetic patients were randomized to placebo or to 1,000 or 1,500 milligrams per day of niacin. In the niacin-treated groups, there was no significant loss in glycemic control and the favorable effects on blood lipids was still apparent. The side effect of skin flushing typically occurs 20 to 30 minutes after the niacin is taken and disappears in about the same time frame. 
Other occasional side effects of niacin include gastric irritation, nausea, and liver damage. To reduce the side effects of skin flushing, you can use some of the newer time release formulas, including the prescription version Niaspan, or take the niacin just before going to bed. Most people sleep right through the flushing reactions. Taking cholesterol lower agents at night is best because most of the liver manufacture of cholesterol happens at night. Another approach to reducing flushing is to use inositol hexacinamide. This form of niacin has long been used in Europe to lower cholesterol levels and also to improve blood flow in intermittent claudication, a peripheral vascular disease that is quite common in diabetes. It is slightly better clinical results than standard niacin and is much better tolerated in terms of both skin flushing and more important long-term side effects. So if you start out by trying in inositol hexacinate and it does not work, try regular niacin or experiences that some people respond only to the regular niacin. If regular niacin or inositol hexinate is being used, start with a dose of 500 milligrams before going to bed at night for one week. Increase the dose to 1,000 milligrams the next week and then 1,500 milligrams the following week. Stay at 1,500 milligram dosage for two months before checking the response. Dosage can be adjusted up and down depending upon the response. So if you are using a time-release niacin product such as niaspan, start out at a full dose of 1,500 at night. Regardless of the form of niacin being used, we recommended periodic check-in, minimum of three months of your cholesterol and your liver function test. And also, please check with your healthcare provider before starting any type of medication. This information was taken from the Encyclopedia of Healing Foods and is not intended to treat or diagnose any medical condition please contact your healthcare provider this information is for educational use only this is dr Rhonda herbert and i'll see you again in another episode of healthy focus in today's world depleted soil crop changes and seasonal inconsistencies are yielding less nutrient-dense food. This is why the Healthy Body Start Pack was created. With 90 essential nutrients at its core, 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, and a powerful blend of EFAs is specifically formulated to provide the nutrition you can no longer get from food alone. These carefully targeted ingredients are what you need to live your healthiest life. Each ingredient in this pack represents Dr. Wallach's pioneering research and life work, which is committed to helping people live longer, look younger, and live through essential nutrients. The pack includes the new Beyond Tangy Tangerine Tropical Tangerine, the Ultimate EFA Plus, and the Beyond Osteo FX Powder. So it is for anyone seeking adequate nutrient intake that includes the 90 essential nutrients. You can go to healthdove.com 
take your free health evaluation and purchase your healthy start pack your body needs it been listening to Healthy Focus. Please visit our website at healthdove.com where you can access your health score with our free health evaluation. You can download a copy of the Health Dove app on your mobile phone. Please write to us at info at healthdove.com. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Healthy Focus. Thank you.